Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 18, verse 20. Isn't it a wonder to you? It is to me when you think about all that God knows is going on and He is not yet judged. I mean, the, the, uh, the sin, the, the injustice of the Amorite had not yet been fulfilled. We're told early in the book of Genesis, but the, the stench of the sin of Sodom, God says, no mas, no more. It's over. Judgment day had come for that region. And that region stands as a testimony that God does not play games with sin. 21. I will go down, God says in an anthropomorphic uh, phrase, because God already knew what was happening. And uh, by the way, God didn't have to check on the city. In fact, there, when the dialogue's over, the two angels move on to the gate of Sodom, and the Lord departs from Abraham. And there's no record that the Lord goes down there. But it does say that he would go down and see, but he already knew what was going on. And the Lord's the one that rains fire and brimstone on the place, but God already knows what's going on. This is anthropomorphic terminology. You say, what does that mean? It's depicting God in human terms that we can understand. And it's probably more for the benefit of the audience and for the benefit of Abraham, he says, I will go down, just like God said he would go down and see the tower that man was building. It's almost humorous. Like, you know, look at this. This is going to reach all the way up to the stars. Maybe you'll have to move over, God. And one writer said, the tower is so small, God has to leave heaven just to see if he can see it. A little humor there. But anyway, the Lord says, I'm going to check it out. And, and I think part of this is that Abraham needs to know that God's not going to just judge without having all the facts. He's going to meticulously investigate. He's going to know. And the outcry has come to God. I will go down and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, God says, I will know. I think this is more for our sake and Abraham's sake, as I mentioned, than for uh, God. God already knows. He is omniscient. And so... The, uh, the text is before us, and Abraham, you know, there's nothing that says that God directly told Abraham, but I think the whole intention was for Abraham to hear and become an intercessor. So the Lord's patient has, patience has run out. You say, well, what does it take for the Lord's patience to run out? Go to one other passage, and I'll sh- I want to show you something that's both serious and hopeful. It's in Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. So pass up the Psalms and Proverbs, Jeremiah 18. Here's a principle. It's the, the message that's being talked about is the potter. Um, Jeremiah 18, look at verse 6. It says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 6, Can I not, Jeremiah 18, 6, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment, Jeremiah eighteen seven, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, 
I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Jeremiah 18, 9. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I promise to bless it. So now then speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm a fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. And then look at the Lord's heart. O turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. What's the Lord's heart? Genesis 18, even when he's on the verge of judgment, turn back. The book of Ezekiel makes it clear that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None. Not one iota. He does not want to judge. That's why the Lord is patient towards us. He's not slack in His promises. Some call, uh, uh, count slackness, but He's patient toward us, not wishing that any what perish, but all come to repentance. That's the heart of God, and that should be our heart. But there's a time when the clock hits the alarm, when time runs out, and Sodom is right there, and Gomorrah as well. And so the men, Genesis 18, 22, if you turn back there, the men who we do find out are angels, the men turned, Genesis 18, 22, away from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Genesis 18, 22. This is a picture of an intercessor. Uh, who will stand before the Lord in intercession? Logan was talking about prayer. What role does prayer have in the evangelism process and so forth? All of that can be a, somewhat of a mystery. But this is a verse. I remember years ago I heard Raul Reese preach on this verse. And it captured my soul. And I'd like to share the whole thing with you, but here's the main verse. Write it down. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. He says, I search for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Ezekiel 22.30 But I found no one. And Raul Reese was preaching that day on becoming a leader. The message, I'll never forget it, was called Looking for Leaders. And the Lord used that scripture to speak to my heart. And, he, and it was something like this, Michael, will you stand in the gap for this generation? Will you stand before me and plead for this generation? Will you be the man that will take your stand, become an intercessor, become a preacher? And you know, you get moments like that, folks. It's like, whoa. Who, me? You want me to stand in the gap? You know? But... This is the essence of what Abraham does. He was still standing before the Lord. The angels had moved off, heading towards the judgment to execute the judgment. And Abraham is standing, if you will, between life and death, standing before the Lord in the role of the intercessor. And Abraham came near to the Lord and he said, 23, Will thou indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Question number one, request number one. Suppose, he says, there are 50 righteous within the city. Will thou indeed sweep it away and not 
spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from thee to do such a thing. You know, when you pray to the Lord, it's good to pray back the promises of God. We know that God is righteous. Abraham's faith may not be as developed as some of ours. He didn't have the whole Bible that we have. He didn't have maybe all his theology together, but he knew enough about God to know that God is just and fair. And the essence of his, of his prayer is, what if there's 50 people in there? Who's he thinking of right now? Lot. He knows Lot is down there. And by the way, Abraham has just done an expedition with the 318 trained men in his household when the four kings came and they took Lot and the people and took them up to the north and Abraham was able to win the victory in Melchizedek the prince of Salem, right? remember the picture of Jesus Christ and the bread and the king of Sodom's there and he experiences this fellowship and Abraham testifies to God doing this along with Melchizedek, the king of Sodom standing right there. And he makes an offer to Abraham and Abraham says, no, you're not going to make me wealthy. I'm not going to take anything that you offered me. But the king of Sodom stood there. He knew that the Lord was the one behind their deliverance as a people. Had they learned anything from that? Abraham knew some of those people, and he especially knew Lot. How much more do your prayers become urgent when you know people who are in trouble and you know them personally? Maybe you know somebody that's on their deathbed, somebody who's running from God, inviting the discipline of God into their life. You're like, man, Lord, wake them up. Do what you have to do. What if there's 50 Good round number. You're thinking a city like this, oh, there's got to be 50, right? 50. You think there's 50 righteous people in Corona? You think there's 50 righteous in here right now? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> anyway, what if there's 50, Lord? You won't sweep away the righteous with the wicked, will you? You won't treat them alike. Far be it from thee. Shall not the judge of the earth, end of 25, deal justly? Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Deuteronomy 32.4. You can take something to the bank. Righteous and true are his judgments. In fact, it is a wonder that he is as patient as he is, as I just mentioned. With all, Think of all that's going on in the U.S. right now. It's a wonder that God is as patient as He is. And Abraham is appealing to God, praying to God, much like Moses did in his intercession, thinking about the glory of God. I don't, I don't want the Egyptians to think that you took these people away just to judge them, Lord. It's about you. And, I, and I, he intercedes. He even says, blot me out of your book. Beautiful, one writer says. Maybe flawed intercession, but beautiful. Abraham is wrestling with God like Jacob did later in Genesis 32. Praying. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city 26, then I will spare the whole place on their account. And Abraham answered and said, now behold, I ventured to speak to the Lord. Here's a good a reminder about prayer. Remember who you are and who you're talking to when you're praying. Some humility here. I venture to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. You can write down Psalm 103.14 where the Bible says we're just dust. Suppose the 50 righteous, gotta love this, 
are lacking five, okay? Will thou destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. 29. And he spoke to him yet again. He's getting a little bit more bold now. He said, suppose 40 are found there. He said, I will not do it on account of the 40. And I don't know what kind of body language is going here. I don't know if the Lord's kind of indicating to Abraham, there's not 50. There's not 40. Suppose, right? The negotiations, the intercession continues. Then he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry. <laughs> Good way to preface a prayer. I shall speak, suppose 30 are found there. He said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, now behold, I venture to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He said, I will not destroy it on account of the 20, 32. And he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry. And I shall speak, he sounds like a preacher. Only this once, I underlined that in my Bible. Famous preacher said, just one more thing. Yeah, right. Suppose 10 are found there. You may be thinking of Lot and his extended family. He said, I will not destroy it on account of the ten. Wow. There's got to be ten righteous people in the city, right? Ten? Wouldn't you think there would be ten people there? Wow. For the sake of the ten. How much the wicked owe to the righteous. For the sake of God's people, blessings have been given to the utterly undeserving and judgments have been averted from those who otherwise would have perished. He talks about blessings and then he quotes from Meyer. He writes, Ungodly men little realize how much they owe to the presence of the children of God in their midst. Long ere now had the floods of deserved wrath swept them all away, but judgment has been restrained because God could not do anything while the righteous were found amongst them. I'll let you wrestle with that theologically. The impatient servants have often asked if they, had, they should uh, not gather out the terrors. But the answer of the righteous Lord has ever been, Nay, that's while you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat also with them. Ah, oh, how little the world realizes the debt it owes to, to its saints, the salt to stay in it, to stay its corruption. And so there's an interesting dialogue here, and it's something to wrestle with theologically. It doesn't mean that the righteous are always spared from calamity and stuff, but the, the context here is God's judgment. And I think what we can take to heart is that um, we have not been appointed for wrath. And we know, we know that that's the case. So look at verse 33. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his place. And so Abraham intercedes with God for the people. And Lot's been a thorn in his side, but he continues to be a man of prayer. Uh, don't give up on people. You know, uh, God would have us to continue to pray for kings and those in authority. First Timothy 2, right? We're to continue to proclaim the gospel and um, do what God has called us to do. And so Abraham has the last word uh, with God in, in this prayer situation. Maybe he thinks to himself, surely there's got to be ten. I mean, surely Lot's 
affected that many people, right? There's got to be 10 wrong. In fact, I would say to you, there's not 10 righteous men in that city. There's one. There's one. We may need to close that door behind me. Anyway, there's one righteous man in the city. Let me leave you with this question. Do you think Abraham's prayer was effective because what happened? Was Sodom and Gomorrah spared? No. But did Lot leave the city before the judgment came? Yes. I want to take you to Genesis 19. Look at verse uh, 22. We'll get a few more details. We'll look ahead for a second. Here's what the angels say to, to Lot. 19.22, Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until, what? You arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zoar. We'll get more detail about that in a second. And then look at Genesis 19.27. It says, Now Abraham arose early in the morning and went to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley, that God, what did he do? He remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Brandon, if you're uh, able to, would you go ahead and Give us one of the pictures from this region. So in this region of the world, there are salt formations uh, around what's called the Sea of Salt or what's some people call it the Dead Sea. The Jews call it the Sea of Salt because there is life in there. But there's all these mineral um, salt constructions around and they look like this. And we'll show you more pictures in the, the future messages that's ahead. Brandon, go to the next one. And... Um, I think, is this the one that they call Lot's wife? And so you can see that one little structure there that uh, kind of strangely looks like a person. If you go on the internet, you'll get a, you can get a closer look at this particular one. But Jesus used this story as a warning, not only to his generation, but to the generation that would live before the coming of the Son of Man. And so I would just say to, this to you. I think there's a lot of great examples here. I think there's beautiful examples about God's promises. I think there's wonderful examples about that God hears the cries and even the, the unspoken whimpers of those who are going through tough times. But I think also we need to know something, that our prayers matter. And when we pray for people, God honors prayer. How all that works out is somewhat of a mystery, but Lot was spared. Lot did get out of there. And Abraham's prayer was honored by the Lord. But it also tells us that God is holy. And it's not something that we should just play around with sin and think, oh, it'll never happen. God will never do anything. He won't really judge. Well, he's already promised that a day of judgment is coming. Not, some, not something that we focus a bunch of our time on. When we're in texts like this, then we look at it and we let it speak for itself. We are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this. This is my last thing. I promise I, I'll be... Final point. The wrath of God was poured upon Jesus at the cross. 
And if you and I are found in Him, we have His righteousness to our account by faith. And the wrath of God is satisfied, appeased, propitiated in the Son of God. And if you are in Him, you are forgiven. And He saves us, 1 Thessalonians, I think it's 1.10, from the wrath to come. Jesus saves us from the wrath to come. When you say saved, think about it. People say, are you saved? You're saved. Saved from what? The wrath to come. Saved from the consequences of our sin. Do you know that's what salvation is? It means you've been saved from the judgment of God. The judgment doesn't come on you because it came on Him. And this is love. Not that we first loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. The forgiveness is available. And what we tell people is, you want to be saved? Trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He took the wrath for you. And if you will not come under His protection and His forgiveness, then you'll get to face God in your own quote-unquote righteousness. And I just say to you, rot's a ruck. Don't want to do that. I would say, get saved. This is the message that we preach. Jesus saves us from the wrath to come. And God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish. They will get what? Have everlasting life. Would you pray with me? Lord, oh Lord, this is an incredible account. Incredibly insightful stirs our souls. There's so many things here, Lord, that speak to us. Um, this is not our favorite subject, no doubt, but it's real. You are a holy God. And man often thumbs his nose in your face. And we know the day of the Lord is coming, but thank you, Lord, that there was a day that you set apart when the fullness of the time came. You sent your Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And thank you that He died, that we might live. He took your wrath at the cross. He satisfied it. Um, he suffered for our sins as though He had committed them, though He was completely innocent. And He even lives now, ever lives, to intercede for His people. Thank you, Lord, that you love us that much. It's an amazing love. And we want to proclaim this message from the housetops, that Jesus is alive, that he saves. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to be busy about your business. Thank you for your patience with all of us when we fall short. Thank you for forgiveness in Jesus. We rejoice in it. With your head and heart bowed, if you've not met the Lord, man, do it now. Run to him. Run. Call upon him while he's near. It's something like this. If you're not sure you're saved tonight, Something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe. Pray it out loud if it's you. Maybe you're a prodigal and you need to come back home. Pray it. Say, Lord, I give you my life right now. I repent of my sin and receive you 
is my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me of my sin. Thank you that Jesus died in, in my place. And I trust in him and him alone for my salvation. I believe he's God. I believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Lord, change me from the inside out. Cause me to be born again of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Lord, for this precious congregation, just bless them. Minister to their needs tonight. Strengthen them in every way that they need it. Protect them from the evil one. Grow them in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So maybe you listen to this teaching, you know, today and uh, you've got some questions. You know, we have questions too. We're two pastors sitting here. We don't have all the answers. But we know that ultimately God shows us that we'll find our answers in the person of Jesus Christ who entered into our pain, took the Father's wrath at the cross and loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. Pastor Brian, you know, we have people who are on the road, freeway traffic, listening at home, number of different ways that they can listen to this broadcast. If somebody is out there who wants to rededicate their life, they've been trying to do it without God, or maybe they want to receive Christ for the first time. Can you help folks, uh, you know, help, help them to know how to do that? Yeah. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't think coming back to God or getting right with God is anything super complicated. You don't have to go through a bunch of hoops to do it. All God is looking for is your heart. He, he wants who you are. He's just looking for you to surrender back to Him. He's made a way available where you can be forgiven of your sin. You can have your name written in the book of life. Even if you've already made that commitment, but you've walked away, he, His arms are open wide, willing to receive you back. One thing that God cannot do is force you to come back to Him. So if we're willing to make that choice and say, God, I want to follow you, he will always forgive. He will always bestow His grace. It'll never run out. It's always available to us. All we have to do is call on the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord is Jesus. Amen. And you know what? Your wounds can be healed uh, by coming to the Savior, and uh, you'll find your answers in the person and work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. If you need more help with making that decision to follow Christ, you need some help with finding a good church, you just have some questions, you have a prayer request, reach out to us at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Let us know who you are, where you listen. You have a chance to donate on the website. You can listen to past broadcasts or even check out the Bible Answer Show. Number of different things you can find out. And on the website, you can get information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship if you're anywhere near the Inland Empire. We'd love to have you come and worship with us. Service times, directions, and everything else is available at livingtruthradio.org. So on behalf of Pastor Brian Richards, this is Pastor Michael with help today from Andy Chapel on the board. Thanks, Andy. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.